Welcome to City Life Church Podcast. Our desire is that all may come to know Christ and fulfill their purpose in life. We welcome you to head over to our website for more information. God bless you and enjoy the message. I'm excited about this series, so this, it's really good. And the, the thing is about this is the Lord continues to just kind of download things to me in regards to this. And I appreciate that that he does because that's where I want to receive everything and I need really trust in the Holy Spirit and what he does in that regard. Um, got up at four o'clock this morning, not because I'm super spiritual, but because my dog needed to go out in the yard. But I took the opportunity to stay up because I was up and uh, open my the word of God in my computer and it felt like God was just speaking to me even additional things and I was thrilled to have that opportunity with the Lord just in peace and quiet and uh, just uh, have him there. And it's just great to be uh, alone in his presence at times for sure. Before I get into our message, I want to just give us a quick update for those of you who are aware. And I would mentioned briefly about the property that we have, the 15 and a half acres, and that God is working through that whole process and exciting things coming. So we received this week an official purchase sale agreement from dr horton on the process so now we're going to be working with our attorney to making sure everything is good and in order and talking with those people that are part of that but that's just part of the process and i hope to keep you abreast of things as they go and uh, and some of you say well that's going too fast other you will say well that's going way too slow it is what it is in the process uh, but i'll try to keep you updated in that and just remind us again, and I had mentioned uh, a few weeks ago in Jehoshaphat and what he said in Second Chronicles 2020, because this is pretty cool that this is the year 2020. Yeah. And in Second Chronicles 2020, Amen. he said, believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Mm-hmm. Believe his prophets and you shall prosper. Amen. And we believe God has spoken to us over the years in many different ways. And uh, we obviously believe in the Lord. And so his ways will be established. And also there's been prophetic words over us. So we, we take that and we, we believe that. And, and as, as I had mentioned, that a, a word that was spoken over this church uh, several years ago, that it can be done, it can be done. And guess what? It will be done. Yeah. It will be done because God said so. Yeah. So I just want to continue to encourage us and keep us focused in that direction of whatever God is doing is beyond what we can do. It's a miracle. And so that's the exciting part, because if we could do it, we wouldn't need God, so, and, we, and it wouldn't be a miracle. So I like the fact that we need God, and it's a miracle. So those things come together, and it's an exciting thing. So I just wanted to give you that quick update. Lord, as we jump into your word this morning and uh, go into this, uh, in this, down this path of just pursuing you, God, and, and, and Lord, we're in hot pursuit and, and God, we're going after everything that you have for us this morning. And I just pray that you would dig deep into our hearts, Lord, and that you would shine the light where you need to shine it. You would show us things, maybe adjustments we need to make along the path of, of life. And I just pray that we would have ears to hear this morning what you are speaking to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You know, we're developing our lives as followers of Christ. That's really a big part of what we're doing in this pursuit of God. Last Sunday, I asked a question, who are you following? Who are you following? Because every one of us, we're following somebody. We may not know it, but you are. You're following somebody. 
So obviously, God is the one we're, we're wanting to follow, but it's important to know that. And then also that you need to know you are being followed. Yeah. Somebody is following you. Whether you know it or not, somebody is following you and somebody's looking at you for examples, for direction. And so it's important that we understand that. And as we navigate the pursuit of developing our lives as followers of Christ, we then must learn to govern our own lives. Now, governing our own life, we can't do on our own, obviously, because it's with the aid and the help of the Holy Spirit, but he still says we have to do certain things. And so we have to govern our own life. We have to have our life in a certain order. And we can't just say, well, uh, if things aren't going well in our life, well, that's just the way I am. That's just how God made me. Uh, I'm just not good. I'm not a good person. I just always mess up. And so we just sort of throw that thing out. I'm not going to put parameters around my life. I'm not going to put disciplines in my life because it's just... It's just not working for me. It caused me to think back to when I was eight years old. There was something called Woodstock. (laughs) I didn't go to it at eight years old. But back in New York, back in August of 1969, about a half a million young people got together to do this big music and peace thing and love all the things and all the drugs that came in. But, But there was a movement it really was called the hippie movement because out of that, it wasn't really planned. It was out on a big, a, a big farm in New York. And all of a sudden, half a million people come together and they start this movement. And it's the hippie movement. And that thing took off and it took fire. But the cool thing about it, well, I, I would say that. And of course, in that process, there, was, there really wasn't any governing of any life. Anybody was paying attention to caring you know, making sure that everything was right in their life. It was just kind of a free-for-all. It's like, well, we're just going to see what happens. This is fun. But the cool thing was, in the same vein, God was already preparing something, that he was preparing his movement with that group of people. And and I was able to witness that firsthand here at, at this church. And in the early 70s, beginning to see the fruit of what was called the Jesus movement, in the the hippies and so it was pretty cool to see that these people were showing up at our churches and they were people that and you know i thought back about this and i thought this is crazy that my parents would allow this to happen in our church because you think about the craziness of people the craziest of crazies because when you see because you got people who are really prim proper people who are going to church and they're dressed in suits and they're back then everybody was you know it, it you kind of had this order and all the stuff that you did and then all of a sudden the door flies open and some weirdos with long hair tattoos and they're just getting their car door flies open there's a little drift of smoke that comes out and it kind of follows them into the church and they've got, I remember going out and looking in the parking lot, and, the, and, and one of the, the old vehicles they were driving, they took a paintbrush and wrote, Jesus saves, on the side of their car. And I think, these guys are lunatics, but there's something radically changed their life. And they come in here in groves, and they come in and they begin to just call out to God and worship. God miraculously transformed their lives and took the drugs, it took all of those things, and they were just in this place of like, whoa. Who's this Jesus? And I know a lot of them were connected to Evergreen State College and all the things that brought them out here to the Northwest. 
But we had this influx of the hippie movement, but was the Jesus movement here at the church. And in fact, this building that we're in right now, a lot of the labor that happened was from those guys that came in and they were just on fire for Jesus. What can we do? We could swing a hammer, uh, whatever was going on. And I, I remember even one of the, the, the kids, there was, they brought many kids with them. They're little kids. And um, one of them was born addicted to heroin. And I, I remember God miraculously, instantaneously uh, healing this young boy. He couldn't speak. And God healed him. And so we saw that. There was a movement that happened. And then you begin to see that these young adults who had no thought of any governing of their life begin to allow God, to the Holy Spirit, to come in their life and they begin to govern their life. They begin to make decisions that bettered themselves. I remember we started, uh, I think the church rented houses in the community and put men in there and, and with people that could mentor and get them developed and for women and so forth. And it was just this movement of the power of God and begin to see their, their lives being, uh, they were beginning to govern their life in the proper way and following after Christ. And so that, that was a pretty cool thing. And so I just say that because some of you grew up back then and others you're like, you have no idea what Woodstock was. But it, today it's still considered probably the number one music event in the history of the United States and, and gathering of people. But anyway, God took that and he brought some governance to it and he created in fact, many people were sent out of this church to start churches, the pastor, who were part of that movement. And so God did some miraculous things in the early, early 70s, and that was, that was amazing. So where do we learn self-control and governing our lives? Well, we learn that out of an ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ. And it happens as we pursue him, as we follow him, we begin to see these things unfold. And as we pursue him and his will in our, our lives the chance of us producing good fruit goes way up. <laughs> and we see a scripture in the Bible. There's a portion of scripture that's commonly referred to as the fruit of the Spirit. And I just want to read that real quick this morning in Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. It says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our, our lives. Now, who's producing that fruit? Is it us? No, it's the Holy Spirit. But he's working alongside of us. But he comes and he brings this. Fruit of the Spirit. And it is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, thankfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against those things. That's the cool thing. So the Holy Spirit brings those things into us and it helps guide us when we begin to walk in the fruit of the Spirit because what happens? Then our fruit becomes good. Now understanding, I think back of that movement again, there were truths that were being put into these hippies, these Jesus Jesus freaks. It was another thing I think they were called. Uh, Jesus people, Jesus freaks. And, and God was putting truths into their life. But there was also, there had to be a place for grace and mercy. <laughs> because through that process, you make mistakes and all of that. And so truths must be accompanied by grace and mercy. That's important for us. And here's another thing that I felt like the Holy Spirit dropped into my thought process this morning. Grace and mercy really for it to be truly effective, needs to be followed up by repentance. <laughs> say that again. Grace and mercy needs to be followed up by repentance. And that's important. I would venture to say that grace and mercy are available because of God's goodness. Because the Bible says it's His goodness that leads us to repentance. 
And if we need grace or mercy in our life, it's because we did something that probably wasn't good. So he brings that and he gives us the grace. He gives us the mercy and it brings us to that place of going, oh, Jesus, please forgive me. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Help me so that next time I'm living in truth and I'm walking in truth because that's the heart of God. Therefore, repentance then is a byproduct, really, of the pursuit of living our lives for the glory of God. So that works together. And so that's just something the Lord felt like the Lord just gave me to give to you this morning. Grace really gives us what we don't deserve. And it's interesting that we can mess up and God still somehow makes something good for us out of it. He finds a way to create good out of what our messed up decisions. Mercy keeps us from what we do deserve. We deserve to be punished sometimes, like in a court of justice and law. And they say, no, you're free to go when you were guilty. That's mercy. And there's something in that process. But repentance follows grace, understanding that. Grace gets us a pass in the sense, hey, here's your grace. You get a pass. But the important part about it is forgiveness wipes out our past. If you think about that, when we repent and we ask God, Lord, forgive me, he says, I'm wiping it out. So that's the completion of grace because grace covers something for us, but it still can linger and it still could hinder us if we don't follow through the whole process of saying, Lord, I I recognize, thank you for your grace, but I don't want to go down that path. I don't want that to happen, Lord. I want your truth in my life. Lord, I want you to help me govern my life to follow after you. So that's important for us. And it brings us to walking in truth. I want to read a scripture that is not up here on the screen this morning because this was another late edition. But this is a scripture that felt like the Lord gave me. It's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. And I know Brett covered this uh, uh, several weeks ago. But it says this. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins he gave us life when he raised christ from the dead it is only by god's grace that you have been saved we can see mercy and grace at work right here we are saved by god's grace but it's because of his love so it's important that we know that and understand that hebrews 4 16 this is my favorite verse in the Bible when it comes to this subject because it just it blows my mind. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. That's a, the part I like. It's when we need it most. Because we don't need grace. When we're doing everything right, we don't need grace. And so then we trip up and we need grace, but then we tend to to run away from God and run away from his word and go hide somewhere when he says, no, don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Don't feel guilty. Just come. And I've got it for you when you need it the most. That should refresh us to know that God's not a judging God. He's not a God of shame and guilt and put that on us. He says, no, come on, come on. That's when I do my best work when you need it the most. So I love that part. Grace and truth 
become guiding points in governing our lives. Those become guiding points. Put it this way. If you're on a road, truth is found between the center line and the fog line. If you're right in there, you're good. You're on the course of truth. You're good to go. Guardrails and caution signs along the way really are the grace that operates for us. (laughs) Because we can get off the truth path at times, and we all do. But thank God for the guardrails. Now, we hit those and we get a little scratched up or dented up a little bit, but it keeps us from utter destruction and going off and down a cliff somewhere. And it kind of, we're like, I didn't really like what that felt like. But then when we realize, when we get back in that lane of truth, we, we realize, you know what, that was for my good. And I deserve to go over the cliff. But God brought the guardrail of grace and he helped keep me in that lane of truth. And so if we look at it the way, that way, I think it's important for us. And that really, those things, the guardrails and the caution signs, those things, they really become our platform of grace. You know, Jesus really is the goal and the focus of what we're all about. It really has to be all about him in what we do. So this is where we start our identity, our potential, our destiny. This is where we're at in that launching pad of that. This is where we develop a servant's heart, a giving heart, a heart that goes beyond just me. So there's something that begins to happen. It's no longer just about us. We're being followed. <laughs> it, it makes a difference. Yeah. It, it, we have to look outside of ourselves now and, and all of what the things that we are so concerned about in ourselves, we're being followed. This is where we discover the difference between convenience and commitment. This is where we discover the difference between convenience and commitment as a Christian. Serving God is a commitment. It's not a convenience. Wow, it's quiet in here. Serving God is a commitment. It's not an act of convenience. It's a commitment. It's part of governing our lives. There's disciplines that come into our life. There's things that we do. When we're consumed with ourselves, we become bound. We're not free. But it's when we have our lives properly governed that we become blessed to be a blessing. Because that's really what we're called to be. God, he wants to bless us. But we're all bound up and so insecure and all those things, it's hard for him to get those blessings in. But if we allow him with the Holy Spirit to come and help us govern our lives, he's there just to dump blessing on us. And it's not just for us to become fat Christians, but it's to be a blessing. And so that's the road that we're going down as we're governing our lives and getting our lives in order. When we love from a place of commitment, it prepares us to be inconvenienced. (laughs) Do you love out of a place of commitment or do you love out of a place of just convenience? I dare say God has called us to love out of a place of commitment. And if we do, we're going to be inconvenienced because there's going to be people out there that are going to inconvenience us. But it's a move of this Holy Spirit that's creating this. And so if we can see outside of ourself, outside of what we're going through, I want to to run through something really quick because this morning we're also going to do what we did last week. We're going to do a a conversation we're going to have with somebody here in the church this morning. And so that's going to be good. But... 
I want to talk really quickly about habits. Habits. Our personalities are composed of attitudes, habits, and appearance. Our personality, who we are. Attitudes, habits, and appearance. We all have attitudes. We all have habits. And we all kind of have this thing about our appearance does create kind of our personality. How we look, how we dress, how we carry ourselves. It it does play into that as well. Now, (laughs) you could ask somebody who would be totally honest with you and say, Hey, describe my personality. Describe who I am to you. What do you see? Depends on what they could be honest and, and say. But it's important to understand what our personality is and how it's composed and what it's put together of. Understand our habits really are acquired. We're not born with the habits. We acquire them. We acquire them. And so if you repeat something enough, it becomes a habit. So I want to give you five habits that every believer should have. Five habits that every believer should have. These are basic habits, but they're important and critical. Number one, prayer. You're like, oh, you know, gee, that's a no-brainer. Well, guess what? I think there's a lot of believers who leave that habit out. And that's an important one, prayer. Second one is just reading the Word of God, reading the Bible. That needs to be one of our habits. The third thing is connect relationally with God and with people. That should become a habit for us, that we're connecting with God consistently. And I know that we do that through prayer in the Bible, but there's other ways we spend time with Him and build relationships. And also connecting with people. The, the fourth thing is really is giving. And it's our time, our resources, our talents, those kinds of things. That's part of giving. It's the sowing and reaping principle. If you don't sow, you don't reap. So that's important. That's a habit to get into. Giving, giving. And then the fifth one is m- being a mentor or a disciple. Because I think that's really important. Because understanding that we're being, you're being followed by somebody So why not become a mentor? Why not become a disciple? That's a habit that we all should get into. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then, then the God of peace will be with you. In other words, put good habits into your life, repeat them over and over again, and we begin to see God move. He begins to bring the peace of God. It begins to come upon us. We must put energy into building good habits. (laughs) When we focus on bad habits, then they get more of our strength and attention. But we need to be building good habits, whatever those things are in our life. Now, here's a fact. (laughs) When you are failing in life, it's because of bad habits. When you are succeeding in life, it's because of good habits. That's not hard to figure out that, but that's the reality. When we're failing in life, it's because of bad habits. We're making bad decisions. Now I get, now the word failing, in a sense, is different than bad things are happening to me. I'm just saying, when we're making decisions in our life and we're making bad choices, we're going to fail at whatever that is. But when we're making good decisions, good choices, 
our habits become good habits. We create good in our life. We become successful. I would always challenge every husband to build good habits in loving your wife. You love your wife as Christ loved the church. That's a tall order. That's why it takes a lifelong investment into your spouse to do that. But really, to start a good habit, you must see the need for it, for one. Because if we don't see the need for it, then we probably won't. And we also have to have a desire to build a good habit. There's got to be something that is thrown out there for us to say that I have a need for it and I have a desire to do it. And I would encourage you today, and you're here already, but maybe you haven't thought about this. Just one example, I think building a habit of just being in the house of the Lord, being in church, that's a good habit to build. And that's a good habit to, to build in your into your family. And you know what? I'll, I'll do a little soapbox thing, but our kids need to understand the importance of gathering together and fellowshipping as a church. If they get up in the morning and, and they ask, are we going to go to church today? Maybe you're setting the example that it's probably not going to happen or it might I'm not saying anybody's bad for not doing it. I'm just saying these are things we can begin to think about creating good habits. Because if you think about the importance of church, again, it's not about just us. Well, I don't need to go because I don't really need church today. But what about the fact that somebody else might miss out on something that you would be a blessing to them for that day or your children or vice versa? Because we have to look outside of our own, I'm just tired, I think I'll stay home. I get it, everybody has things, sick and vacations, all this stuff. But as a habit, we begin to create this habit of being in church because God, he loves when we gather together. And it's important for us to do that. And so we come to church for really three reasons. We either come to church to receive, or we come to church to give, or we come to church to both receive and give. But if we come just to receive only, we're missing out on a whole chunk of blessing. <laughs> so come with the attitude of not just receiving, but also be a, a giver. So what we are, we repeatedly do. That's just who we are. So decide what qualities are important in your habits and work on them until you succeed. Now, Marcus, come on up here. Marcus, I asked him if he would come and join me. Last week, we had Ashley come up, and she did an awesome job breaking the ice here. And uh, so, have a seat. If, I know it's probably not the most comfortable thing, but we're not putting you in a couch. We don't want to It'll make you do. too comfortable. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today. So, you know, as we heard last week at, with Ashley, she, she was on a journey in her pursuit of God. And, and Marcus has been on a journey. In pursuing God, and so I'm just going to ask you a couple questions this morning. You answer to uh, however you led to answer, feel led to answer those questions. But the fact that as a pastor, I get to uh, I have the privilege of observing people and seeing what God is doing in their lives, and I recognize God's doing something incredible in Marcus's life. And you know, through the challenges, because you can take us kind of take us back to. Maybe a little bit of experience that sort of paints a picture of kind of what has brought you to today in whether it's your experience as being a, a medic in the military and so forth that sort of has created who you are today and, and kind of share a little bit of, of your journey, what brought you today and why you, now you are so adamant about pursuing God 
in everything he has for you. Not just for you, but what I recognize is that it's for you to give back to others. So give us a little bit of your your story. Uh, this is Marcus Freeman, by the way. Hello, everyone. Yeah, yeah, little. That's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'll say this. Um, I think it's been this thing in my life where like I just never found like the right church, the right family, the right thing. And to me, I felt like it was them, not me. But it was me the whole time. And hmm. so that kept me away from going to church. Interesting. And when I enlisted in the military and, you know, did all my services and my, my deployments, I found myself coming back home with a piece of myself far removed of who I was. And so something else came back and it stayed that way. And in military culture, you just conform to the norms. And, you know, a lot of that stuff is not going to church because you're too hungover from Saturday. And you're just out there. And, uh, you know, so then you you take what's happened with me and my deployments and you, you push all that down because we're all men, tough. We don't cry. We don't bleed or sweat. And then you compound that with other things in your life. And it's just a huge cauldron of a misfortunate event that is bound to, it's bound to happen. It's going to happen. And so I think that me coming to Washington was predestined by God. Like I had to come here. I had to come here. I had to go to that, to that house off of Meridian. I had to stay there. My wife and I had to get into that fight. And then she said, we have to go to church. And if she put a podcast on, the first thing I heard was your voice. And something told me, Marcus, go to that church. That's cool. We're glad you did. I went to that church and, well, this church, and I will tell you this. It's the first time in my life, in my life, coming to a church, being received, being loved, and then that sustainable love mm. is, it happens every time I come here. And I get that from all of you. Mm. Wow. So. Thank you guys for being so nice and welcoming and loving. I've been to large, extremely large churches. I've been to extremely small churches. But the tenacity about this church, and this is a testament to all of you, is that we make 30 feel like 300. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. So a few months back, just kind of all that you're talking about just sort of kind of came crashing in on you because you were talking about the compounding and the stuff and everything. right. right. Kind of walk us through that real quick. So, okay. I was off and on coming to church, and I had met someone who would I would call an older brother to me. is Lauren, Lauren Patterson. Good guy. And uh, he's a great guy. I love him. And then, um, you know, a relationship that, me, that, that you and I had found together and growing, it felt more genuine than any friendship I'd felt in the last 10 years. Hmm. With just, just being here for a couple of years. And then so I found myself in a predicament where it was life and death, right? And a couple weeks before that, I was, just, I was just talking to Lauren. I was like, man, I really need to break free of the mold that I'm in 
and I just want to walk closer with God. And I was telling Lauren, I was like, hey, man, I, I really just want God to just, you know, take me apart, deconstruct me, and then remove all the bad from me and then reassemble me. Hmm. And then Lauren looked at me and goes, you better be careful what you're asking for because <laughs> you're going to get it. <laughs> and Wise man. And just as Lauren said, I mean, it couldn't have it's, it's, I, I feel like relationship that you and I have and me and Lauren had it was pre it was predestined it was it, like it had to happen mm. it had to happen and so you know I found myself with my life in my own hands and I decided that, that I wanted to take it and when I got to the end of the road and I was like hey I want to live I need to live I you know I have to be here and when I walked out there's again there's no way you the length of where i walked deep into the forest dying actively dying yeah and when you say oh wow i really made a mistake that's putting it into a very small perspective but my desire to live my desire to serve was in, immediately set on fire hmm. And there's no way to this day, I've taken Lauren back there. You walked back there. There's no way I walked out by myself. Mm. I got carried out. Mm. I was carried out of there. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And when I woke up in the hospital and I saw the sadness, the disappointment on my family's face, I saw the, the, some of the disappointment that was there. I was... I saw it, but all I saw was that God gave me a second chance to live. Yeah. So the person that was around did die. I did die. But the life I have now is not my own to live for. Wow. Great perspective. By the way, just to let you know, you might have felt or whatever disappointed i was never disappointed i don't think anybody was ever disappointed in you i was actually pretty happy <laughs> because you were alive and the doctors were like we don't know if he's even going to make it so praise god for that because honestly i don't know uh, any of you have actually had conversations with somebody who's been as deep into removing themselves from this earth as marcus was because praise god he sent a police officer to find him after he walked out and uh, actually a good friend of mine, and I've had conversations with him. And the fact that he's alive, it's, it's puzzling to the medics, doctors, everybody. It's like this shouldn't have happened. But it's not puzzling to God because right. God had a plan and a purpose for Marcus. And so uh, he's, he's in this place of pursuing. So I'm, I'm okay. If you want to follow him, it's okay because he's on a journey of pursuing God. Now, he's gonna, is he going to make mistakes, stumble, or whatever? Absolutely, we all do. But that's where the guardrail of grace and all these things are there. And so we're, we're doing this together. We're doing life together. And so that's part of the thing. And so, hey, Marcus, why do a life alone when you can do it together, right? Absolutely. I mean, speak into that a little bit, the importance of that. The importance of the, oh, that's oh, – wow. All right. So looking into my perspective, my foxhole, of how I got to where I got to the first place was I thought that I could go through it alone. And I isolated myself from my friends, my family, my peers. 
And then all of that, because I was going through what I was going through, I failed to acknowledge what that looked like to my friends. Hey, why are you calling me? Hey, why are you not coming over here? Are we not friends? My wife. Hey, why do you not want to be out in public with me? Are you ashamed of your family? No. It's just the fact that I'm hypervigilant, and when I walk outside, I'm looking at everyone like the Terminator. Like, I'm trying to identify targets and threats, and I don't want to put you guys through that, so I'll just remove myself from that. And then you move forward, and you identify those things, and you realize the love that you receive from God, you have to give that out. You can't just hoard that. Hmm, that's good. You cannot hoard that. You have to give that. You have to give that up. And I've learned that this place is not just a church. It's it's a fortress. Hmm. And God has galvanized us to build this fortress. And we are all special ingredients in a cauldron. Okay. Hmm. And when we worship. And God starts to spin the ingredients in that cauldron. What he will make is what he will make. Mm. But as you were saying earlier, Dad, that we don't have to, you know, be here to receive. Just being here to give mm. is you don't know what you're going to be a part of. Yeah, that's right. You have no idea what God has in store for you or what he has in store for someone else. So when I stepped foot into this church, God said, I got you. You're already here. You're right where you need to be. Oh, hey, by the way, Lauren's here, by the way. You're right where you need to be. Hmm. <laughs> and that cauldron began to spin and spin, and we coalesced. And what we've created, like what you guys have created, is me. I'm still here. Hmm. Wow. That That's is awesome. the need. <laughs> that is the purpose to be here. That's the purpose to be out with other people. You never know. The blessing that you will help create through God. Yeah. So thank you for that. So just kind of wrapping up. So so obviously God's put on your heart uh, something to do in the sense of giving back or helping people who maybe been through stuff. I know you and Lauren have planned and thought and talked about a lot of things. But kind of real quick, what does that look like moving forward? Just in the sense of something other than your job and all that that you're doing to give back. Right. So this last couple of months has been a rocky one, but I think that, again, I mean, God is always on time. Hmm. Yeah. Not when you think he's on. He's always on time. And right when I was there, he was like, oh, you worried about this? All right. What else you worried about? Oh, this? Okay, cool. Oh, this big decision? Ooh. He was <laughs> like, I got it. And, and here I am lined up. And it's, again, by an immaculate creator who's put everything in place where it has to be. So myself, a great dreamer, and Lauren, the great designer, <laughs> have combined ourselves to give back to people who've walked where I've walked, people who've been through way worse than what I've been through. And what we want to offer them is a sanctuary and um, a skill to build and to learn and to fellowship with each other and, you know, sneak some Jesus in there. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to put that in there. So, I mean, it's just that's that is what we are trying to create and establish. And 
it's just if you look at it off you talk to me offline, but it's so perfect hmm. how this works out. The son of a veteran, a veteran, my my walk, my struggle, his skill, his knowledge, and then the fact that we're both we we, we come from where one coin on hmm. this side is me, the other side is Lauren. Hmm. <laughs> and then what we offer to veterans who have walked through my path is heads or tails. But either way you look at it, it's still God. <laughs> That's good. That's awesome. Hey, let's give Mark his hand. Thank you. That's awesome. So cool. So cool. So thank you so much. Are you working out? No, I'm not working. This, this dude's working out. What are you trying? You're just trying to put me to shame here, man. By the way, uh, this series will be going on for a few more weeks. If you have a story, a testimony, we've had two so far, let me know. Lauren and others, you may have a story. And it doesn't have to be that story. It's your story. Whatever it is that has caused you to find yourself in a place of pursuing God where you maybe didn't used to do that and God's worked in your life, we want to hear because we're going to have a good opportunity for us to hear that and then invite people to come and say hey you need to come next sunday and god will touch them wherever their situation whatever their need is amen let's stand we're gonna sing a song here as we close this morning Uh, but i just want to encourage you so get out of your comfort zone a little bit and Maybe meet somebody you've never met before here today. Um, maybe just talk to Marcus, uh, anybody, but just encourage somebody. Because, you know, it may be the last 5, 10, 15 minutes of you being here today that you'll find out why you are here today. Because maybe a connection or contact that God would have you make. So I would just encourage you to, to do that and connect with somebody. If you need prayer for anything this morning, we want to pray for you. And maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. you kind of been down that path of struggle and challenge. This is your day today. And we would love to pray with you for that as well. So we're going to sing this and then we're just, we'll be dismissed this morning. Thank you for listening to City Life Church Podcast. 